your Bibles to uh, Luke chapter 15. them little kids if I don't bring any money. <laughs> so I just, sometimes if I don't have any money, I'll just pinch my fingers together and act like I got money and put it in there. I was telling Jerry one that while ago. I'm Jerry too. I, uh, my little, uh, I love grandchildren. My little, uh, five-year-old granddaughter, Elise, going to school this week. I'm excited about it. I just can't believe it. She's excited. I love grandkids because they, uh, they pay my daughters back for what they treated me. I just enjoy watching it. I mean, I don't interfere. I don't say nothing. I just love it. See, my See my son-in-law and my daughter all, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And I just smile. I say, that's great. <laughs> so all you parents out there, you're making your parents happy <laughs> having kids. My daughter went back to uh, New York today. And she's been here for a couple weeks. Her new husband was uh, with her. She got married in while, February. And we was excited about that. And uh, she lives in New York City. And uh, I can't understand that. So much crime up there. I was reading a paper today where uh, three guys hit a six-year-old girl in the chest, knocked her off her little scooter, and stole her scooter. Can you believe that? Three teenage boys do that. Then I was reading in the paper where this lady was on trial for uh, uh, killing her ex-husbands or her husbands. And the prosecutor said, uh, well, what killed your first husband? And she, he said, she said, poisoned mushrooms. <laughs> what killed your second husband? Poisoned mushrooms. So what killed your third husband? Brain concussion. <laughs> and they said, well, how did that happen? I hit him in the head with a frying pan because he wouldn't eat his poisoned mushrooms. <laughs> Um, I, this is for, uh, I was sitting at somebody's table this week, uh, going over some business, uh, doing some work on their house and, and they found out that, uh, I never tell people I do business with that I was a former pastor because I don't want to take advantage of the Lord to get business. I don't, I don't like that. It just makes me uncomfortable, so I don't tell nobody unless they just find out about it. And then I'll talk to them about it. But I don't want to use the Lord's name to take advantage of it. 
And I was sitting there talking to them, and, and uh, it came up, and, and they started talking to me about a daughter that they had. And, uh, that, and they were really heartbroken and disappointed, and they was asking me my advice. And uh, uh, so I gave them my advice, you know, and, uh, and I had been working on a sermon, and this part's for the pastor. I know he's watching. I, I heard you this morning. This isn't a sermon that I preached before. I just wrote it for tonight and for you only because this is a, something that, that every family goes through. And so I like to speak it and just use it. I'm going to be teaching tonight, not really preaching too much. And so take your Bible to uh, Luke chapter 15 and verse 11, I think. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of the goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country... And there wasted his substance with righteous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Um, and he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hard servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. And I will rise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he rose and came to his father, but when he was a, yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Can you just, you can just kind of see it? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our, for our uh, church and the people here. We thank you for a faithful pastor. I pray that you help him to get well. And I pray that you would comfort him and his family. We love him him and his family dearly, and I pray you be with him, but be with us this night. Speak to our hearts. I pray that you use me to speak the words that are needed to be said. In Jesus' name, amen. A parable is an illustrative story by which a familiar idea is cast beside an unfamiliar idea alongside each other in such a way that the comparison helps people to better understand and grasp the unfamiliar idea. And the unfamiliar idea here is the relationship with God to us. Now Luke 15 is a story of a man and his sons. and But the father in the story represents God the father. And the sons rec represents Christians. They're those who have received him. Now take your Bible and look to John. I don't want you, we're not going to be looking at a lot of Bible verses, but I want you to look at 1 John chapter 1 and verse 12. Is this my water? Yes, sir. Oh, 
Right. You didn't spit in it, did you? No. <laughs> I like making people laugh. I don't know why. I just, I'm just that way. First John 1 John 1.12, now follow me here. I believe that when you read the Bible and you're studying the Bible, every word's important. When I study the Bible, or especially for a message or for teaching, I read the same scripture I'm going to use maybe a hundred times. So I can... Focus on the every word because after a while it becomes clear. And it says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now notice what it says. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become. You have a choice here. God, when you get saved and you, God, you ask God to say, Lord to save you and you believe that you're a sinner you ask him to forgive you of your sins you become a child of God you become a member of his family but it says here you are given the power to become the sons of God that means you're not a son yet or a daughter but you have the power to become that now I don't mean that you're not saved I mean this is a relationship that he's talking about. Now take your Bible to look in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17. It says, are you there? Okay. It says, Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And now notice verse 18. And will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. The relationship of a father to a son. Now I love my dad. And uh, we had a good relationship. But there was a time when we did not have a good relationship, but I was his son. We see here that a good relationship with God the Father comes when we separate from sin unto him. You follow what I'm saying? That's the relationship. When you first get saved, you don't have that relationship. Now, some people are quick and they, they follow into that relationship quickly. Sometimes people, it takes time, it takes growth. Sometimes we have to go through a valley and to the place where we appreciate what God has done. And we appreciate God's love and what he's done for us. And we go through that and then, okay, I want that relationship. Can you, are you hearing me now? Pastor does this. You see what I'm saying? How many of you have been through the valley like that in your life? We all have, haven't we? Now notice here, we have two relationships that we can have with our Heavenly Father, a child of God 
as I said, uh, we are born of God, but we don't have that relationship as a father and a son. Or a child who has, through his choices, has that relationship because of the choices that he has made and the character that he has. Now, in the in the parable, we see, uh, in this parable, the first man, the third, the first son demands his inheritance now. Can you imagine that? I can't imagine going up to my dad. Dad, I want half of what you have right now. I think that is very, uh, very weird. Which, but the father grants it to him. Now I'm going to go over this list here. And it says, and he, and so after the, the father gives him half the inheritance, he, he gathers it, he gathers what is given him, it says. And then he leaves with the fruit of his father's labor. And he travels to a far country and separates from the influence and rules of his father. He spends all he has on righteous living. How many ever have followed sports stars? I don't follow them anymore. I just don't like what they stand for anymore. I don't baseball and all that. But you'll see where a, a sports star will get $50 million. But 10 years later, they're flat broke. What they do? They spent on righteous living, didn't they? And then he is left at the mercy of a citizen of the world to feed swine and eat the husk of corn. Anybody here ever work with pigs? Man, they stink. There ain't nothing worse than working in a hog lot. Now I have. He found no mercy or compassion from the people. Because it says here, as no man gave unto him. Anybody see the news in the lake where a guy was drowning and somebody was driving across the dam and they saw him? And they called the uh, fire, uh, fire department and uh, he'd been out there for two and a half hours. He, he had got a uh, one of these things you pat on. Yeah. And uh, it sunk. And he was stranded out there and nobody stopped and picked him up. His name was Nickel. He, he works for me. And he realized, so this young man realizes his great mistake and poor choices. And he wants to return to his father. You see that what he went through here? Now, a person in this position is viewed by many other Christians and family members. Might say, well, he got what he deserved. You know, you made your bed, now you got to lie in it. He's got nobody to blame but himself. If he was a real Christian, he wouldn't be where he is, but uh, he would be serving the Lord with joy and faithfulness. You ever heard that before? I tell you, sometimes people have to go through something like this to learn what life, what they, they missed out on. And God has to work a thing in their heart. Now. Now notice here.
I'm going to show you what God's perspective is. Let's look, let's compare God as the Father. And he's looking on this situation. How does God the Father handle this situation with this young son which he's comparing himself to? So how does God handle it? God the Father handle this? I want you to know what? Number one, he provides for his family. It says in 1 Timothy 5, 8, but, for any, but if any provide not for his own, especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. You know, a lot of times people will say, well, I didn't do enough. I made too many mistakes. I didn't do enough. Listen to me. You fed them. You nursed them. You took them to school. You give them everything that you had to offer. They made the bad choice, not you. Amen? Number two. But God meets the needs of his people. Number two. He gives his son what he requested. Our God, our Father seeks to answer our prayers and gives us opportunity to succeed even in our own selfishness. He said, Father, give me the portion of the goods that falleth to me. And God, you know, in other words, be careful what you pray for. Sometimes God will just give it to you. And it's really the worst thing that could happen to you. A lot of times, you, you see, uh, I was working in a post office one time, remodeling a post office in Illinois, and one of the postal workers there had won two or three million dollars. He said, it's the worst thing that ever happened to me. My wife divorced me. My friends left me. Everybody's mad because I wouldn't give them any money. He said, if I had to do it again, I'd just give it away and not take it. Number three. Notice here, there's something. It says, and he says he treated, notice that he treated both his sons the same. And he said he divided them to them. Now the other son didn't ask for the half of the inheritance. The father just gave it to him. Because he gave it to the one son, he gave it to the other son. God treats us all the same. There ain't no, you know, if you notice in the Bible, there are several prophets that that you'll see that they had a favorite son. And it was a, the worst thing a parent can do is show favoritism to your children. God doesn't do that. God treats us all the same. He said, I'm giving that to you. I'm going to give the other half to you because I gave it to him. I want to see what you can do with yours. Number four. When the father saw his headstrong son make bad choices... Listen to this. He let him go. He let him go. Isn't that something? He didn't ch chase him. If you, know, if, if you notice from verse 13 down to verse 16, God's not mentioned. The father's not mentioned while the son is going through and losing everything and destroying his life. God is not, the father is not mentioned. He let him go. Now in the Bible, in Hosea chapter 4 and verse 
17, it says, Ephraim is joined to his idols. Let him alone. But of course, later on, God, the Father, laments Ephraim and wants him to come back. In Romans chapter 1, verse 24, it says, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own heart. He says, if that's what you want with your life, go ahead. Because he knows that the trouble in the valley that they will go through, hopefully will bring them back to him. He knows that the consequences of the, their mistakes, well, they'll have to pay a price and it'll change their heart. Now listen to this. It says in verse 17, it says, And when he came to himself, speaking of the prodigal son, he came to himself, he said, How many hard servants does my father have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? And I will rise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And am no more worthy to, call, to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Even when he was in the hog lot, eaten with the pigs, he had hope. He had hope. He knew where to go. To get help, didn't he? You know, that's what you, uh, Sunday school is about, and church is about, and devotions at home is about, and church at night is about, is instilling in the hearts of us and young people and people that someday will walk through a valley, and when they, because of their own bad choices, even though they are in the worst possible shape, they know there's a place they can go. Amen? You know, I think it's... How many of you noticed on the news where they had this woke thing? I have no idea what that means. What does that mean, woke? I'm awake. I mean, woke to what? But they're, what they're doing now is they're going to kindergartens. And they're teaching these evil, despicable, crazy stuff. What, you know, churches have been doing that for hundreds of years. And the devil's catching on, isn't he? Get them while they're young. And teach them those things. That's what we've been doing. That's what we do in junior church. That's what you do in Sunday school. You, on the bus routes. What are you doing? You're instilling them when they go through the valley and they go through problems, you're instilling in them hope that there's some place they can go. Hope. Isn't that something that God does for us? Number seven, number six. The father was looking expectantly, expectantly, I'm sorry, I, I get tongue-tied, Luke, look in Luke 15, 20. And he rose and came to his father, but when he was a great way off, his father saw him. Now, that means his father was looking for him. 
and a great way off, that means his father was keeping track and had his eye on him. Doesn't the Bible teach us that our Father in Heaven has his eye upon us all the time? If a hair falls off my head, he's, got, he's had his eye on me for a long time. <laughs> if the hair falls off, God knows it. Why? Because his eye is upon us. So God the Father knew that the Son was living in a hoglot and eating husks of corn and was discouraged. It was at the end of his rope, but he had to wait till him to make the move to the father. And so the father was praying, the father was, the father was hoping, the father was uh, looking for him. Isn't that a great thing? God does for us, looking for us like that. Here's another point that I think is very important. And so many people do this. Never. The father did not burn the bridge. How many times have your children or my children disappointed you and you say the wrong words, what you feel in your heart comes out through your mouth and you say the wrong things and cause a hurt that can never be healed. Amen? So many times, if the hurt is so bad in our own hearts that we want to hurt them. And, uh, but God never burns the bridge. There's always, always a way home with God. Isn't that right? Always. No matter what you've done, where you've been, what you've been accused of. There's always a way home with God. Amen. Has God ever said something to you that you're just so hurtful that you could never forgive him? No. I mean, we got to be careful what we say. I told these couple, I said, man, don't burn the bridge. Don't burn the bridge. Always, you should strive to always let them know that they have a place to come to. Amen. Number seven, number eight. The father revealed the depth of his love for his son. Look, it says in Luke 15 and 20. And he rose and came to his father. And when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion Ran. Now to me that'd be just a fast walk. I can't, can't run. And fell on his neck and kissed him. Boy, somebody did that. You know, he didn't wait for him. Oh well, Dad. He had. He didn't have to go away to the house, knock on the door. Dad been looking out the window. No, Dad opened the door, ran down the street, and welcomed his son. He proved that he loved him. He knew that there was somebody. You know, I heard somebody say that was very experienced in teenage work and stuff, that teenagers just want to know that somebody loves them. That's all they want. That somebody is listening 
and somebody loves them. Amen? Do you agree with that? That's all they want. They may be doing something crazy and you know it's wrong and you know it's not the right thing to do. They've got to know that you love them. And we know that God loves us, right? Number nine. This is so important. Look, in, in the, the father never brought up the sin and the bad choices. He never brought up the sin and the bad choices that the son had made. I told you, I told you not to run with uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, Scotty Gilly. I told you not to run with him. I told you stay away from him. <laughs> I, I picked, you know, I know Scotty picked that well. I hope. <laughs> He's a lot younger and stronger than I am. Psalms 103 and verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us, and God will never bring it up to us. So if somebody does something wrong, don't ever bring it up. Forget it. You ought to be happy they're with you. Amen? Be happy that they're with you. So many, so many times we, we think we've got to say something, but you don't, you don't have to say everything you think. Isn't that right? Number 10. The father gave forgiveness. Luke 15, 21. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and no more worthy to be called thy son. The father forgave him. I mean, not just forgave, but he, for, he forgets it. He forgave him. You know, sometimes, and I have seen this happen, it happened to me, and I'm, I'm human like you, and and I felt like sometimes my kids did things, it was a personal uh, insult to me, but it wasn't. And I took it personal. And it's hard to forgive. Listen, you need to forgive them. Because their love and presence in your life is worth more than anything. Amen? Amen? Amen. And you younger couples and your young children are happy and joyful and and they and they love you and they hug on you and stuff you wait your turn will come i hear preachers and other people say well my kids would never do that you better not say that you better never say that because it will it will happen i know famous preachers I, uh, uh dr hiles's son went nuts I know uh, Brother Robertson's son, that he didn't have a good relationship. I know a, a famous preacher that was famous in the bus ministry. His son burnt down his house. Don't, don't ever think it won't happen to you. And don't ever look down your nose at somebody who is, is going through something. Amen. Don't ever do that. Number 11. God returned his son to the, his rightful place in his family. 
It says in verse 22, But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. That means he was elevating not just the servant, but he was elevating him to part of the family, to his son. He wanted everybody to know, this is my son. And he is part of my family. Number 12. This is so good, I think. The father showed great joy instead of great shame. It says in verse 23, And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, let us eat and be merry. For my son was dead and is alive again, and he was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. There was a lady in our church on Sigma Mountain, and she was one of these ladies that she was the, I mean, she was the perfect mother, and she was the perfect uh, Sunday school thing, and she was the perfect everything, and all that, you know, and she was a great leader to people, people followed her, but her daughter got pregnant, and, and they, her boyfriend wasn't married, but she went and told everybody that they were married when they weren't married, because she was ashamed. That's terrible. If our kids make a mistake, don't be ashamed because you're afraid what other people will say. Let them know you love them and you're behind them no matter what. Amen? God's not ashamed of me. He's not ashamed of you. Now, now for those who look down on the prodigal, we have the pharisaical brother. Who said, oh, I've been serving you every day. And you have this party for Fred. And, and uh, you don't do nothing for me. And God the Father said, well, everything I have is yours. My, the other boy lost everything. He got, he's my boy, but he done lost everything. You've got everything that I have. It's yours. You know, sometimes in the Christian life, it's drudgery. Going to church, going to Sunday school, just being faithful. A lot of times there's no glory in it. Or, you know, I mean, these two sung a great song up here a while ago. I mean, I taught them everything I know. I mean, they really, and everything I don't know. They're really good, right? Very good. But I forgot why I brought that up. So, but... They were good. I, I, I knew I had them someplace. I was going with that. But anyway. Uh, huh? There he is. Thank you. I didn't hear you, but I guess that's right. <laughs> uh, you know, God has given you so much. And you have great opportunities. You know? And if somebody is making a mistake, don't look down upon them. Be thankful for what you have. And understand, listen, it could happen to you at any time. See what I'm saying? I'm, I hope you're with me now. And young, young uh, families, you know, don't ever be surprised if your kids disappoint you. 
because they will. And, maybe, and if we follow God's example, maybe we can live through it. Amen? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Let's stand. I want to ask you a question this morning, this evening. You say, Brother Jerry, what you said touched my heart. There is something in my life that I need to, that I need to straighten out. Or maybe you look at your children and you say, listen, I don't want to be like that. Lord, help me have the strength to, to do the right thing. Help me be like God did, how God treats me. And help me be faithful to my family and my children. And if, and if they go the wrong path, help me be strong and not to lose my testimony and always keep that bridge. Listen, is God speaking to you tonight? Won't you come down to this altar now and say, Lord, give me strength and help and encouragement to do the right thing. Would you come tonight and have the music, please?